Hello, and we're back with another episode of Vipers Voices, the podcast from the Desert Vipers, a team that plays in the UAE's own 2020 league, the DP World ILT20. The episodes are coming thick and fast as Season 2 approaches, and so is the news. And this time we talk about an exciting new partnership with Bat for a Chance, a UK-based initiative that aims to recycle used cricket clothing and equipment to ensure as many people as possible around the world get the opportunity to play the sport. We hear from the founder of Bat for a Chance, Will Gaffney, as well as Desert Vipers CEO Phil Oliver, on this collaboration, which chimes perfectly with the Viper's sustainability agenda of reuse, recycle and reduce. On top of that, we catch up with head coach James Foster, who's one of the first overseas arrivals into Dubai ahead of the tournament, and we also hear from key UAE all-rounder Rowan Mustafa, and the pair of them give us their thoughts as time ticks away towards the Vipers' first match of the season against the Abu Dhabi Knight Riders at the Dubai International Stadium on Sunday the 21st of January. Talking of which, a reminder that tickets are now on sale for all Vipers matches this season, and you can get hold of them through the league's website, www.ilt20.ae, or at any Virgin Megastore in the UAE. Now, let's get cracking. Let's talk first of all about the Desert Vipers' multi-year agreement with Bat for a Chance, an agreement that will see the franchise and its players and staff supply kit and equipment to the UK-based initiative. These kits will then be distributed by Bat for a Chance to schools, clubs and academies around the world to help them experience the joy of cricket. Bat for a Chance will be a Desert Vipers sustainability impact partner and the partnership aligns with the franchise's core identity, which is centred around sustainability. The kit and equipment provision are just part of an agreement which will also see the Desert Vipers provide match tickets to migrant workers across the United Arab Emirates for Season 2 of the DP World ILT20. And children who take part in the Desert Vipers School's outreach programme will be encouraged to provide new or high-quality used clothing and equipment to the initiative. The agreement follows talks between Bat for a Chance officials, Desert Vipers CEO Phil Oliver and Matt Bailey, the Desert Vipers Head of Strategy and Sustainability. And that's the Matt you'll hear mentioned by Bat for a Chance founder Will Gaffney, who we'll hear from now. I'm delighted to say that I've been joined by Will Gaffney of Bat for a Chance, the founder of the organisation. Will, thanks so much for being with us here on Vipers Voices. It's a pleasure to have you along. And it's a pleasure that the Desert Vipers are now in partnership with Bat for a Chance. Perhaps you could start by telling us what Bat for a Chance is and how it all came about. Of course. Well, firstly, the pleasure is all mine. Um and a massive thank you to the Vipers team for agreeing to have Back for a Chance as a sustainability partner for the foreseeable future. Back for a Chance is a UK-based initiative, when I, which I set up when I was uh, 14. I'm 19 now, so it's been with me since my teenage years. And a massive part of our work uh, around the world is centred around sustainability, which identifies perfectly with the Vipers. 
Um, so what we do is we collect and recycle cricket equipment and sports clothing and footwear here in the UK. And then we distribute it all around the world to various projects, mainly in uh, South Africa, the Caribbean, across Europe and in Pakistan. Uh, and of course, in Sri Lanka, where it all began for me off the back of a cricket tour at the age of 11, where I saw how much cricket can do for people um, and how much of a barrier equipment was from so many individuals having access to the game we all know and love. So our partnership with the Vipers is perfectly centred around this key theme which runs through both of our organisations. It sounds as though you operate pretty much all around the world, is that true? Bang on. Um, Since our inception, uh, we've been able to have an impact in 20 different countries, four different continents, and provide access to sport through cricket equipment, recycled kit, to over 16,500 people, working with a variety of organisations globally. Um, That is a mixture of us going to, to charities, reaching out to them, seeing if we can collaborate with them, and also people approaching us, um, asking for recycled kit. Well, what appeals to you and Bat for a Chance about the tie-up with the Desert Vipers, and, uh, and what will Bat for a Chance actually get out of it? It's a great question. I saw the Vipers' initial public announcement in the summer of 2023 when they made this decision to go green, essentially, and publicise their carbon footprint at the end of every season. It's something that really struck me because I'd never seen anything like it in the franchise space in particular before, let alone the cricketing space. And it really struck a chord with me because it identifies so perfectly with our recycling arm of the organisation. Off the back of that, I reached out to Matt, and it just so happens that one of my board members, Ebba Koreshi, works for the as well so it's a perfect tie-up really um she got the conversation starting and i've got to say a massive thank you to her she's been incredible in putting this all together and making it happen and spotting the little synergies where we can tie up with the vipers the big thing that we're going to of course be receiving from the vipers is their equipment at the end of the season so working on that recycling theme we're going to be recycling their clothing on behalf of them uh, all around the world to various causes and projects that we work with hopefully seeing lots of little desert vipers shirts with the fangs out motto on the back being worn globally so aside from that what else will the partnership involve aside from the recycling aspect of the partnership Uh, The Vipers, under our guidance, are also going to be distributing free match tickets to migrant workers across the region, allowing them to have access to come and watch the incredible games of cricket being played in the IOT 20 and hopefully seeing another Vipers appearance in the final this year, this time lifting the trophy. Similar to that, we're working on a number of projects which aren't quite to be announced yet to come for the following seasons, both here in the UK um, and around the world. You mentioned the following seasons and you mentioned at the outset of our conversation about a very lengthy partnership that you were looking forward to. Is that the way of it? That it's going to be a really long term partnership between the the two groups? Hopefully, yeah. So we've signed an initial three year deal, which is incredible. It's fantastic to be working with a franchise on a long term basis. Um, and also in particular helping them activate outside of just not just the tournament window, but the whole calendar year. So we've got loads of time to get this right, do it well um, and make a real impact from a green perspective. Well, thanks very much indeed for joining us and explaining the situation there with uh, Bat for a Chance. It's a fantastic initiative. It's a fantastic partnership with the Desert Vipers and we look forward to it uh, going from strength to strength. Thank you very much. Will Gaffney, the founder of Bat for a Chance, talking to us about the organisation's partnership with the Desert Vipers. Now let's hear from Phil Oliver, the Desert Vipers CEO, about the initiative. Yes, this is a really exciting initiative for us to announce with with Bat for a Chance. It really fits in perfectly well with our reuse, recycle 
and reduce message that's a key part of our sustainability strategy that we've recently released. And we think it's a, a big step on us trying to get to our net zero pledge that we are aiming for in the future years. And it's really about kit recycling for, from us at, at Desert Vipers. So we've asked all our players and, and coaches and staff to bring spare bits of kit with them. And we're going to be supplying those to uh, back for a chance for them to distribute as part of their global redistribution of kit and, and cricket equipment. And it's really exciting for us to be able to make a, a real difference to communities, schools, young players, anyone who really is in genuine need of cricket equipment, for them to receive that from the Desert Vipers is something we're very proud of. And to be doing that through Back for a Chance, Will and the, the team there who have led such a, a brilliant programme, for us to join up with them is a really a big step for us because it's something real, something tangible and a, a way that we can make a genuine difference to local communities here in UAE, but also further afield as well. So we're, we're ticking quite a few boxes. We're, we're helping communities. We're helping young children. And we are also being sustainable, which, uh, as I said, is a key pledge of ours to reuse and recycle. So being able to collect kit from players and everyone in our group and do our small part as in the first instance is a big step for us. And it's going to go a lot further. That's the really ex the exciting thing with this. There's, there's a long way for us to go. And this is just a starting point. Yeah, you say it's, there's a lot further to go, Phil. I think there's a tie in as well with the school out outreach program as well, isn't there? Yes, the school programme that we've been running for the last couple of months over here in, in Dubai, where we've been giving taste of cricket sessions to children with a sustainability angle, this really plugs in well with that. So we'll be distributing kits to the children there via Back for a Chance, and that will lead on to a, a wider schools programme that we're going to carry on running after the finish of DP uh, World ILT20 next month. So that's the next step. We're taking small steps as we go towards that net zero pledge in, in 2040 and tying in with the schools programme and everything we're doing around that. And having that um, sustainability impact partner with, with Back for a Chance is a key part of that. So it's really exciting to make a proper difference to, to children. And we've been into schools recently. We've got more sessions coming up during the tournament. And for them to receive kit from, from us, it's great to see it being reused and, and going to a proper home. And uh, another aspect of this agreement is uh, I think the Desert Vipers are going to be providing tickets to migrant workers as well, aren't they? Yes, that's something that we, we know we can help and give something back to to cricket fans locally. There's a lot of very passionate cricket fans here who, who might not ordinarily get the chance to go and watch high quality cricket at Dubai Stadium and elsewhere here in, in DP World ILT20. So being able to give them tickets through that outreach program via Back for a Chance is a big part of us doing that community outreach program and taking it into a slightly different areas as well. So not just children, they'll be getting tickets from us as, as well through with their parents. But yeah, those workers who we know are our cricket fans now and of the, of the future, for them to receive those tickets and a, and a chance to go and watch the heroes, some Pakistan superstars, we've got some Sri Lankan players that we know will be very popular. But indeed, there's a, there's a high quality array of players across the tournament that will, that will really um, light up the stadium and, and the tournament coming over the next few weeks. Phil, you mentioned earlier about uh, the drive towards zero emissions, reducing emissions by 50% by 2030 and getting it down to net zero by 2040. Of course, the Desert Vipers are the first Dubai signatories of the UN Sports for Climate Action Framework. This is a key pillar of, uh, of that drive, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think there's there's a few different strands to it. And I think we, we know that we need to do what we can do internally by making changes to our, our practices, how we use our kit, how we redistribute it, how we can reuse and recycle. Those key messages that we're trying to reinforce within our group, we've got players arriving over the next couple of weeks. And those small steps that we can take ourselves will make a difference. We've been receiving some sustainability um, education from, from Carbon Happy World, our partners in, in this program in, in terms of sustainability and, and climate change action. And it's really exciting to know that we can make a, a tangible difference as we work towards those those net zero pledges. And I think what we'll see is that making those sort of differences in, in communities by reusing our, our kit and clothing, I think will bring others with us on that, that journey. So it's great that Back for a Chance are experts in this. We saw what they've done recently over in, in the Caribbean with their Barbados Royals Girls Cricket Club. It's great to be partnering with them and, and following their lead on, on how to, to get this array of cricket equipment and clothing into people who need it and, and really make a difference. And alongside that, making headway on our sustainability pledges is, um, is, is very much an added bonus. Phil Oliver, the Desert Vipers CEO, following on from Will Gaffney of Bat for a Chance on a real win-win partnership for the two organisations, something with sustainability at its heart. Next on this episode, let's hear from two people who will be at the heart of the action as the DP World ILT20 cranks into top gear this month. James Foster, the Vipers head coach, has arrived in Dubai already and is finishing up his preparations for the start of the tournament. And he and UAE international all-rounder Rowan Mustafa recently attended a DP World ILT20 event in Sharjah to help publicise the matches to come. Vipers Voices was there too, and we spoke with both of them to get their views as the start of the side's campaign draws ever closer. It's been an especially busy time for James as, at the back end of last year, he was part of the New Zealand team's coaching staff at the ICC Cricket World Cup. And coming up, he talks to us about that experience as well as everything there is to look forward to in the DP World ILT20. We started off by asking him whether he was happy with how things stood for the franchise ahead of the first match on Sunday, January the 21st. Very much so. And we report on around about um, the 13th. Coaches start coming in on the 12th. Players start coming in from the 13th, either from around here uh, or from the Big Bash or a few other competitions. But the preparation's been good. And, and really, most of the preparation is about making sure that things are in order logistically. So trying to set it up like we did last year. And then obviously with the recruitment phase, retaining and recruiting new players. And we're absolutely delighted with the squad that we've assembled this year. Feel like we strengthened it. So very excited to see what we can achieve this year. There are some changes to the playing conditions this season. Are you across the introduction of the super sub? How it will work and and how you'll use it? Something similar has already been done in the IPL. Yeah, I mean, there's an an option of either sort of going in with a pre-planned option when you play your matches. For example, you might play the extra bowler or play the extra batter. Various teams did it differently in in the uh, Indian Premier League. Um, so we'll probably just assess to see um, who's available at the time, what players that we've got with us. Um, I've got an idea in my head how, how we're probably going to try and uh, try and do it, but I probably won't say right now. And the overrate punishment will see an alteration to the number of fielders in the circle if overs are not bowled on time. How conscious are you of that? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great rule. Uh, I think it's really important for the, for the pace of the game. Um, it makes it tricky for the, uh, for the captain and the, and the fielding team, without, without a doubt. Because you know, if, if you think about the amount of preparation that goes in and the planning that goes in 
and you always talk to your bowlers about being clear at the top of your mark and taking your time, making sure the communication's good. But then if there's not much time left and you've got to try and get these overs in, sometimes that piece can be rushed. So ideally, you want to try and get ahead of the game with your over rate early on in the 20 overs just so you can afford to slow it up later when it's really important to be very clear. Before this season, you had the chance to work as one of the coaching staff for New Zealand at the ICC Cricket World Cup. How was that experience? A lot of fun. It really was. Absolutely loved it. Great group of coaches, great group of players. I I literally just laughed for two months um, and loved the coaching element. Really good fun. Um, Loved being in India uh, where you sort of really get to bond really well together. Um, An absolute joy. Really pleased with with how we we went um, getting to the semi-final. Unfortunately, were beaten by the better team on the day in India. They played exceptionally well. Obviously, I felt the toss was a, a big toss to have lost, uh, to, 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 um, to lose that toss and that we did. The pitch looked quite uh, flat when we were bowling, especially early morning. And then under lights, as, as expected, uh, you know, both, ty- both teams would have done the same, to have bowled under lights to try and get that advantage in Mumbai. Um, but they were brilliant. India were absolutely brilliant. But I thought, uh, New Zealand played very, very well. We stuck at our game plan. We worked really hard. Very difficult team to play against. Uh, very proud with, with how we performed. You certainly had a roller coaster time at that tournament. Early success, a run of losses, a revival to reach the semi-final, and then denied a place in the final by an excellent India side. What learnings did you take personally from your time with the Black Caps, and what stood out for you? Good question. I would say that... I mean, we, we lost, I think, three games in a row, or maybe even four from memory. I can't remember off the top. It might have been four, actually, as when we played uh, Pakistan. Pakistan had an absolute phenomenal innings chasing a big score, and then, we, then it rained, and then we couldn't get back out there. But during those games, there's probably only one game, during those games that we lost, only probably one game that we didn't play that well, well in, and that was against uh, South Africa. All the other games, I thought we played really, really well. And it's, you know, tight margins between success and failure in this game. So the, the, the confidence was always very high. Um, and then to get to the semi-final, we were obviously naturally really pleased with. I, I thought we played some great cricket during the tournament. One big standout thing was the leadership piece within the New Zealand setup. I've always been fascinated from afar, watching how New Zealand go about their business, how proactive they are, how forward-thinking they are. And it's great to see the leadership of Tim Southey. You've got, obviously, Kane Williamson when he was in fit. Tom Latham, who did a lot of the captaincy during that period of time. But it's not just that leadership in terms of the, like the captain against your name. It's also the leadership within the whole group, how they all fight together, work together. And they're very clear in how they go about their business. And again, a really, really great environment to be a part of where the guys love playing for New Zealand and have a lot of fun. You've kept the core of the squad together at the Desert Vipers for season two. How important was that given the culture you created in season one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think culture is a huge thing in tournament play, so in the World Cup, the tournament, and the the same obviously in franchise cricket, trying to get the group together as quick as you can, gel as quick as you possibly can. And ultimately have a lot of fun. You know, we we all love this game. Sometimes we can get a bit too serious about the business. Um, Yes, it's professional cricket and, and there's a lot at stake, but it's important to enjoy what you do. And that's something we try. We worked very hard on last season to try and create that within the environment. Got great support staff, coaches, people behind the scenes, and the players. And they all bought into that really, really well. Delighted with keeping most of our most most of the core, like you said, 
So that would be great to then bring them back and then we can continue. And then it's just reintroducing the new players. Um, delighted with who we've recruited this season. We've got some box office players. Uh, very excited to see what we can achieve and, and hopefully we can gel everyone together, which, which I'm, so, I'm sure we can. You know, it's, um, we, um, you know, it's not just the quality of performance that we've got, it's also their characters as well that will fit in really well with us. At the same time, there are plenty of new faces in the squad how easy will it be to draw them into that Desert Vipers culture quickly to ensure a smooth transition from season one to season two? I felt as a support staff and management and backroom staff, we worked very hard to try and create that environment. And I would say we had quite a lot of like-minded people and also with Munners as well as captain, very experienced, but also who's believed in a lot of the same values. So it was just really sort of just dialing into that and again, I touched on earlier, but we've got some great people within the setup. And it's just about for us to try and create an environment where you can go out and play and play your best possible cricket. Yes, you do your planning, but you don't want to necessarily over plan, you don't want to over analyze. But just sort of keep the guys up to speed with you know, a little bit of planning here and there. But ultimately, it's about letting them go and play. That's why I'm a really big believer in you want your team to go out. You know, you've got this, these high class, world class players. You don't want them to stifle them. You just want to go out and play their natural game. And that's what we tried to do last year. You've lost Gus Atkinson to England duty and Shafane Rutherford is back in the West Indies white ball squads, although he is with you for season two. They enjoyed terrific seasons with the Vipers last time out and so their promotions, I guess, are reflective of the positive effect the team had on individuals last term, aren't they? This was probably a question more, more for them, but um, obviously delighted with how Gus has performed since coming into our setup last year, he's just gone from strength to strength. It's so well for Surrey. Then for all the Invincibles under moods um, in the 100, getting picked for England, and he's been doing a, a wonderful job. You know, he's a very exciting talent. Obviously, we'd love him to be with us this year, but delighted that, you know, one of our players is going on and going to be representing their country and now going to be playing some test cricket for England. Um, so, thrilled for him. And again, Shafane. You know, what, what a tournament he had last year. Arguably a sort of standout player. The impact that he had in, in the campaign. And obviously, we all sort of remember that eliminator, the way he unfortunately tore his hamstring. That was the end of the tournament for him. He came off. Then he was absolutely adamant. Coach, I want to get back out there. I said, mate, you can't. You can't run. He said, no, I want to go out there. So, you know, spoke to uh, Moods as well. He was keen to go out. So strapped him up. Super Nerm, our physio. And the way he performed, that he just banged all those sixes, was, was, was simply incredible. And then he's trying to hobble, getting a few runs to get down the other end. But, you know, but it wasn't just about that performance for him and for us. It was his whole campaign. You know, he's a great guy, great around the group. He's a very talented, gifted player and delighted to see the recognition that he's got with the West Indies. And he's taking his opportunity. Again, going to be obviously sad to see him leave us at some point during this campaign, but delighted the fact he's got you know, playing for his country. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. With the international calendar as it is, it looks like there'll be a lot more comings and goings in season two in terms of personnel. Are you confident you have the depth of squad to cope? 100%. The Desert Vipers have strengthened ahead of season two, but then so has every other team. How confident are you that the team can maintain its standards from season one and continue to be a front runner. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's a game. You want to keep things as simple as you possibly can, learn what we did well last year, and try and add to that and build on that. 
look, you know, performances, as I touched on earlier, is a, diff- it's, you know, a fine line between success and failure. But we just keep doing the simple things well, um, bringing the group together like we did last year, trying to create an environment, a platform for the players to go out and express themselves. I think we've got a great opportunity to, to, to have another very successful season. Rowan, how is your preparation going for season two? What have you been doing to get ready? Uh, I've been playing domestic cricket. You know, of course, it's a big tournament for us. And uh, recent last time we played final, I believe this year we have to win the final. So I'll set for it. You haven't been part of recent UAE squads. So how important is this tournament to ensure you put your name back in front of the UAE selectors? Of course, it's a big tournament uh, and uh, honestly, I was just preparing for this tournament as well. And of course, if I do well, I will be coming here to play for UE and inshallah, I believe I will do. How much are you looking forward to getting back into the Vipers team environment? You seem to thrive in it in season one. Honestly, I've been uh, very happy to be a part of this team last year as well. Uh, very good environment whenever I speak to the players who have been part of this ILT. So I told them I was quite lucky to be part of Desert Viper. Uh, you know, they treated me really well. And uh, as a senior from UAE, I, I did I did not much well, but I did uh, how much I can. I believe this year I will do much better than that. What did you learn from season one? Anything in terms of your approach with the bat, for example? Yes, of course. Uh, I was talking to uh, Neil McKenzie, coach. Uh, you know, after even after the tournament, if there's something I can improve on, so I've been sending my videos and I've spoken to him quite. And uh, there are a lot of things. And uh, I believe, inshallah, you will see in this season. Rowan Mustafa, the UAE all-rounder, following on from head coach James Foster, both of them keyed up and ready to go for season two of the DP World ILT20. And that brings us to a close on another episode of Vipers Voices. Please feel free to give us any feedback or thoughts on the podcast. You can do that via email at media at thedesertvipers.com and you can get all the latest news from the Vipers at the team's website, thedesertvipers.com or via all the major social media platforms. Don't forget too that tickets are on sale for all Vipers matches and can be purchased via the ILT20 website or at any Virgin Megastore in the UAE. We'll be back soon with more Vipers updates as the start of the tournament draws ever closer. But in the meantime, this is Brian Murgatroyd saying, as ever, thanks so much for listening.